Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Cole, your host for Gatekeeping Around the Unknown, the Unexplained, and the Unbelievable. New England's own Van Helsing. With me is my friend all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, the gold standing and ghost hunter, the god of infrasound and author, Mr. Steve Parsons. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I guess I guess we're here for two hours tonight then, are we? How are you? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Well, you said no, but whatever. Oh, I, didn't I, want, I didn't want to go to bed anyway. You know, I'll stay up all night. Sleep is overrated, Steve. You're a ghost hunter. You stay up, up all night. When you have to be up at 5 a.m., it isn't. Yeah, I know. I understand. So don't. Don't do it. I'll wing it, as I always do. Um, The thing is, you know, there's so many podcasts on the the uh, yeah today. nobody listens anymore. They're all like they've all got it's, their own podcast now. It's not that they don't listen. That's <laughs> there's just so many of them that the, all the guests are being uh, sucked out. I know. Out. I know. We had the same and, problem with the West Files. Yeah, exactly the same problem. Um, you they you know the show other shows hoovered up all the guests, hmm. and there just aren't that many to go around. That's weird. It's really weird. I mean, it used to be such a big deal. Now it's not. I mean, I've been well doing every, every. I mean, if you set years. up, yeah, but if you set up a paranormal group now, you've got to set up a a podcast or a radio show or a, a YouTube TV show or a Facebook Live show or it's part and parcel of being a paranormal investigator. You've got to yeah, have YouTube's. your media output. Check my YouTube channel. It's like yeah, yeah okay. But that's, I mean, that's how it goes. You know, every single group or team have to have their media and social media presence. And it's because the technology on Facebook and YouTube and podcasting just makes it so accessible. Then why, then why not? And they all just, you know, the amount of requests I I get a month to do shows, um, you know, it, 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 you can only say the same thing so many times. You know, people yeah. must be sick to death of hearing me on shows. Exactly. It's, it's so hard. <clears throat> Occasionally, I do go on and throw a curveball in, like, <laughs> yeah, go for real. Throw a curveball. Oh. Yeah, go, yeah, of course, go for real. You're right. Demons are bad. Don't, don't, I never do the, never do the Ouija board. That's really evil. Mm. That's right. Oh, speaking about, Speaking about the Ouija board, I've got uh, at the uh, Paranormal uh, Yankee Swap, I got a brand new Wednesday Ouija board. Well, the, uh, oh, from the movie? From the Netflix, yeah. Not the uh, movie, the Netflix series, Wednesday. Have you seen it? Or you have Netflix or not? 
Yeah, we've got Netflix. Uh, I haven't seen it, but the the family have seen Wednesday. Wednesday, it's a it's a it's a decent. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. They they they've raved about it. I haven't seen it. I'm yeah. watching uh, or trying to watch Masters of the Air. Oh, it's any good. Um, so far, very good. It was it's made by the same crew that made Band of Brothers. Ah, but it tells the story of the Eighth Air Force. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So uh, anyway, that's the sad story. But you know, I, I uh, I'm sorry to hear about uh, your king. Uh, and the yeah, bit, of a, bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, that is what it is. But well, uh, we don't know the extent of the diagnosis, and yeah. we don't know, you know, what the prognosis is. But everybody's rooting for him. Well. Most people are rooting for him. There's always the inevitable Republican who's like, "Oh, we don't need yeah, that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. <clears> but you know, I, these, we, these are the idiots that burn union flags and mm. trample around supporting, you know, daft causes. Jan and I were talking, like, you know, he has to step back from his duty, so it's like, wow, oh, his son, but you know, his wife is going through a lot of crap right now, and you know. Randy Annie is is pretty much history as far as doing official duties and Not Harry pretty is much completely. Yeah, Harry is pretty much gone, so that leaves it pretty no, much. No, not pretty much. He has and <clears throat> leaves it to Anne and um, Edward. You don't hear well, much about Edward. Well, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Why? Who else it, is there? Well, we have a Prince of Wales. Yeah, but he's dealing with his wife as well. Yeah, he's already back to royal duties. Yeah, I know, but still, it's got to no, take I mean, on extra. I, I, you know, it's I, 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 I don't doubt he would. And I think you'll find that um, if Charles does become more ill, then mm. William might become the Prince Regent. Yeah, well, it is what it is. It's happened before. Mm. Can't have a queen. <laughs> Well, she's not. She's a queen consort. Yeah, queen consort. I know. So she has no real constitutional power, and we would, as happened under George the uh, Third, we would use the Prince Regent, the Prince of Wales, yeah, to act up, to act up as the monarch or stand-in monarch. Speaking of stunt monarch, yes. Yeah, we, uh, I saw a, a report saying that if war breaks out with Russia, the UK will last only two months. So they have they have armed that forces. long. <clears throat> their, armed, their armed forces are pretty much in disarray. And what two months? Yeah, that's what they gave them. That's a mistype. They meant two weeks, two days. <laughs> two days. <laughs> well, you know, we're all rooting for Tucker Carlson to go over there and sort out Putin and. Anyway, all right, so let, that's all out of the way. We're waiting for Dr. Cal, who is uh, fashionably late, uh, I guess. Like a good rock parapsychologist should be. Yeah, did you uh, message him? I have, and uh, I... Where the F are you? <laughs> Skype back on basics. Send me a link. Send you uh, a link to what? Right. I've had a message. This one, the producer needs to sort out. I don't have Skype. Back on basics. Send me a link by email. What the email. hell does that mean? 
email have Skype? Asterisk. I'm so confused. Can we send Cal up? Hang on. I'll ask him to send me. This is live radio, folks. Yep. Can't get any more live than this, that's for sure. Phone number. As we're trying to rescue our guest. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm guessing I, I've asked for a phone number. Yes, phone numbers, uh, uh, they have those nowadays, you know. Yeah, well, we're, we're, he's writing, he's replying, hang on. <laughs> he is a doctor, you know, he hasn't had time for uh, Skype, so this is all beyond his yeah. realm. How do I... Uh, oh, gosh. Just pop I'm trying to hold this for a handset. Yeah, I'm trying to, but I don't know where the chat is. I don't know where the chat is. It's the little thing that says chat on no, the bottom. I don't have that on this. So can you send it to me? Um, yes, hang on. Um, I'll send it to you. My God, don't the Brits know how to handle a technology? It's Maybe not that. Right. I'm, doing, I'm, doing from, I'm doing it from a phone. So I don't know what For God's sake, get a, get a PC. Look, 20, 20, the, 20 you 10 have, is gone. You. you have the number. Uh, Where'd you send it so I can actually find it? Facebook message. I will go there, right? <laughs> so you have. That's a UK a mobile book. number. So you're going to have to the plus four, four. Even <laughs> Right, but you've got the number. Right, you've got that. You've Ron sending you the number, but you need to add the plus four four and drop the zero off the beginning. Okay. Okay, I, I've got to switch over, so you're going to lose me. So tell us about your new book. Well, this is what our guest and I have been working on for the last forever long period of time um, and we've uh, finally got um, got it underway it'll be published this year we hope and um, it's called Paravision because it's the natural and logical follow-up to paracoustics which explored every aspect of sound and the paranormal so obviously Paravision will explore all the avenues and aspects of sight vision visual phenomena relating to um, people's paranormal experiences. It's not just written by Cal and I, because as we did with Paracoustics, um, we will also be um, about a half of the book is contributed authors. So rather than us writing about a subject, we'll call in the relevant experts uh, or people with greater expertise in a particular aspect of sight or vision and the paranormal. Um, mm -hmm. So it will include things like um, the visual aspects of time slips and matrixing phenomena, uh, paranormal oh, photography or ghost photography, spirit photography. Sweet. So all sorts of stuff like that will be in it. When we get Cal, he can tell you the rest because, oh, I mean, it will, it, like, like we did with paracoustics, it will also have the um 
psychology of sight, uh, paranormal oh. experiences, the physiology, the technology, as many ologies as, as we can think of, um, will be included. Oh, but related to paranormal experiences. Interesting. Now, uh, so you are looking at why we see what we see? Yeah. Hello? Oh, my God. He may be here. He yeah. may be real. Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry to get, sorry to get you out of the tank, but, uh, you know. Uh, no, it's, it's all right. I've, I've toweled off and used the talcum powder. Oh, there you go. That's, that's I love the towel. Welcome to the show. Uh, haven't heard your voice for a little while, and it's it's always a pleasure. Oh, now I'm hearing the gatekeeper to the unknown, the unexplained, and the paranormal. You, go. you got it. <laughs> anyway, the... You uh, will not believe. Yeah, you will not believe. I don't believe it, so there you go. So anyways, uh, Cal, I mean, before uh, Steve uh, hijacks you and talks about other crap, um, I, I really wanted to get you on because... Uh, Last time you were on, I believe it was Next Generation, which was years, months ago, whatever. I don't know the exact time. You mentioned that you had interviewed a lot of funeral directors and stuff. Um, well, we were starting to. Um, there was only ever one study that was formally done into that, and that was by Joanne McMohan, who's part of the Parapsychology Foundation. Back in 1987, it was a PhD at Saybrook University, which is now Saybrook Institute. So that was the only ever formal study done on 50 funeral directors and coroners around San Francisco. Nice. And and so we've taken that forward, really, and I've um, assigned a PhD student to carry that on. Oh, that's excellent. So uh, this is uh, being your, you being Dr. Dr. Cal, you could just take one of your peons and send them out to do the work, right? <laughs> it's a lot easier when you're starting to get lots of grants and you've got lots of projects going and you're also trying to teach as well. It's a lot easier to get something you really want done by getting a grant and buying yourself a PhD student to collect the data for you. <laughs> and so then, then you just supervise them and say, oh, that's interesting. That's exactly what I thought we'd find. Wonderful. Go and get more data. Um, but they get a PhD out of it and they get some teaching experience and stuff. And, and that's the way it rolls in university. We're, we're juggling about 10 different PhD projects in parapsychology. And so sci experiences in the funeral industry is just one of them. I mean, that, I mean that's that's so interesting that uh, we really don't hear that much serious work on on the paranormal. Steve and I have talked about it many times in the show, and you know, I think your university seems to be being the leader in that particular field. Well, that. There's different strands to that. I mean, one I see all over social media is and Stephen and, and my bugbear of people saying, "Oh, we're out doing a serious investigation tonight," and it's oh, just please. a load of people going around with with camera. And that word investigation really, really annoys me in terms of what people think that actually means. And I've said it years ago, and my mind's probably slightly different now for that, but. If you had a, a break-in at your house and you sent the police around for an investigation, you really just hope they wouldn't give you a videotape of the fact they wandered around your house. And you'd actually expect all the fours and all the against and fingerprints and analysis and many things to be done to look at all sides, really, of all the possibilities of what caused the crime and, and who's responsible. And so investigation is a, a really big thing. 
And when it comes to um, leading centres, I think Northampton has only become that because we've just gained so many people over time. We've been going with parapsychology since 1996, and that's because Chris Rowe and Simon Sherwood came to us from the Coesler Parapsychology Unit at the University of Edinburgh. They were supervised by Professor Bob Morris and Professor Deborah Delanoy. She was um, supervised by the late um, John Belloff. And so they joined Northampton. They started a parapsychology module. Um, Dr. Richard Broughton joined um, a bit later. He was also supervised by John Belloff. And um, that's where it started and that's where it flourished. And um, Chris is the only one remaining from the original lot, really, because we've had so many people come and go over time. There must be near 50 different researchers that were members of staff that have come and gone um, that were from all over the world that were part of Northampton. But now we're a team of at least 20 part-time and full-time members of staff all dealing with parapsychology and, and similar interests. Now, Steve, your team does what uh, Cal was talking about. You will go, actually go out and look for evidence. And uh, have you ever, I mean, have you converted that into any type of uh, PhD or a uh, PhD study or anything? No, not good enough. We, we, you know, I, I, he's I still much, trying. He's still writing it. I, I much prefer the the approach of ghost hunting. You know, the wandering around in the dark. Um, we do some experiments. You know, we push things around on tables or look at things with coloured lights on, and um, yeah, yeah, we 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 just take it from there. You don't need a PhD to study ghosts. I mean, like anybody can do it. It's yeah, been proven. There are thousands. There is about twelve thousand of us in this country, and we, you know, nightly we we manage to obtain more compelling evidence than the whole of that Society for Psychical Research has managed in the last hundred and fifty plus years. But you you've told me many times in the show that you know what these groups should be doing is publishing their findings and putting up a peer review. Is, is that what you do? I mean, you know, Cal, have you ever seen any of Steve's stuff? I, I've seen Steve's stuff. I didn't yeah, want to, and I've also seen his peer review papers. Mostly <laughs> written in crayon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got to learn to rephrase my stuff much better. I need to raise my stuff a lot better. I, I think with a lot of the stuff that Steve's done, especially with parascience, it, some of it comes to a weighing up of how much is it contributing to knowledge, some of it to write up every single investigation that is done. Certainly notes will be taken, it'll be committed to file, but to actually convert it into a peer review paper, it's got to be something unique or where there's some sort of learning curve to actually bother to actually spend a couple of weeks sitting down on that one case alone to actually produce a paper that you're going to submit to criticism respond to the criticisms and then get it in a journal. There was one time that the SPR journal and many others, that they would be filled with an equal balance of field investigations and laboratory-based research, but now they're, they're more kind of overturned with lab-based research and surveys of belief scales than they are of field studies. But I, I know Steve's done far more investigations than <laughs> there are need for peer-reviewed papers out of that. One of the problems that we have, that I have encountered with, with the SPR and its journal, is um, I actually did submit what I considered to be, uh, and others considered to be, an interesting investigation report to the journal. Is that the uh, crayon one at three foot high? <laughs> uh, yeah. Basically. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> that should have gone through. Yeah, and it, it got... Oh, that, this, this is the sort of thing that should be in the magazine. Response. What? Yeah, I, I push back on that. So, um, yeah. Those, the Sometimes days, you've just got to respond. You've <laughs> well, just got days, to fight the editor on that. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't be bothered. There are other ways of getting it out, and it was got out um, using other routes. So, you know, it's the information. And that's why the books like Ghostology, Paracoustics, The Forthcoming Paravision are so important because the journal, you know, okay, it's prestigious. You get published in a journal. Yay. And about 50 people might read your paper. Whereas, you know, I mean, I, I can't even remember. Is it about 500, five or 600 members of the SPR? So a thousand. a thousand members of the SPR. Um, you, you translate that to book sales, you know, or, or or using some of the more popularist media to, to get the message across. Because what what it's primarily about, or what the focus has become, is kind of education. You know, trying to encourage fellow investigators to do a proper job to stop running around in the dark, to stop looking for demons, to start using good critical thinking, good sound methodologies derived from sound scientific principles. Because by doing that, by upping the game, the chances of producing or gathering data and evidence that might actually be substantial and challenging increases exponentially. But rushing around headlong in the dark, undertaking 5, 10, 15, 20 experiments, pushing things around, talking to things, we'll never get this any further forward, I'm afraid. It's entertaining, sure, but it's not going to advance our knowledge. But aren't they just like taking a shortcut to, to what, uh, Carol is discussing. I mean, instead of publishing a paper, they just publish it on on their uh, Facebook page or their YouTube channels and, and get their peer review there. Well, they're not getting peer review. They get peer accolade you know, <laughs> because they're talking to, you know, their disciples who, you know, I'll give you an analogy. There are many, there are many people around here because I live in a tourist area and we have a number of people quite a few people who have got cameras. Um, you know, I'm not talking about smartphone cameras. They've, they've gone out and they've invested a couple of hundred pounds in a camera outfit. And they go down to the beaches and they take photographs of the sunsets or seaweed and other things. And then they show them to the friends and family. And, of course, none of them, it's like having a five-year-old, none of them will go, oh, that's a really great picture. That's That's fantastic. That's... That's, they never question why is the sky that funny colour and why is the horizon sloping so much to the right or the left? Or, or why is it out of focus or why is it blurred? They don't say, that's terrible, stop it. So these people then go out, they print a bunch of these photographs, frame the prints and sell them for, try to sell them for stupid amounts of money at craft fairs 
and wonder why at the end of the day they've still got a full rack of prints left. And modern, you know, going onto social media with your results is kind of like that because the only people that you are showing the evidence to aren't peers. They're acolytes. They're people. They are your disciples. They will never tell you. They will never question you. And occasionally, should someone try to, they will just be blocked, deleted, barred, (laughs) shouted down and got rid of. In fact, there's one one uh, one social uh, one one social media group which claims to look at evidence of ghosts and hauntings. One of the posts that's in their sort of pinned posts is don't come on here if you are a skeptic and just out to poo poo and ridicule the evidence. <laughs> Believers only welcome. So I mean, I had a discussion with with Lou in the morning. So we were talking uh, a little bit about global warming, and I was talking about uh, the mean temperature of the Earth, how we we can measure that. And because I was saying that science is science. I mean, it's it's good unless it isn't. Uh, but it's what the people do with the data. So I mean, he was saying that we couldn't get the mean temperature on the Earth, and I was disagreeing because we have, especially in today's society, we have enough. Uh, locations where we can get temperature readings and then at those particular locations uh, average out the the, uh, the temperatures and then uh, be able to uh, give us a mean temperature of the earth over a certain period of time. But he was just saying that it was more conspiracy stuff, whatever. That Well, I'm uh, with Lou. Because you can't. But this isn't a show about that. This is a show wait, about wait a minute, what do you mean? Yeah. Why, why can't? Wait, why can't you? Listen, All right. This isn't the time or the place to have this. Yes, event. it is. Because we have bringing up. That's it. That's COVID vaccinations next. No, see, we see have you guys, we have a we have a guest. You you and got, we want wait, to give wait, the guest uh, time. No, no, you guys see what happened. You just did. You did the same thing, Lewis. Is you didn't talk about the science, you just talk about the theory of global warming and and how it's oh I'll talk about science, but I'm talking about science about measuring the temperature of the earth and it it can you can't average temperature of the earth. You can. It's done every day, every hour, every minute of the day. And we're gonna take a break. Good. Yes, it is. Go and then we can go Mount back to Washington. our guest. Go to Blue Hill, Blue Hill Observatory. Go, there's, there's dozens, hundreds of them across the country. We gotta Let's go. go to the ad break and then back to our guest instead. Then you can beat me. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Um, okay. So you're listening, <laughs> to Ghost Chronicles. you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Steve Parson and the rock star parapsychologist Cal Cooper. And you're listening to go- Global Warming International. <laughs> It's not. See, you guys, you, you described it, what I said. You really didn't listen. I said mean temperature. You guys jumped on global warming, and that's the same mindset. Oh, there you go. Tunes. You're not sep- You're not. Tunes. God, close minds. Close minds. All right, break time. We'll be back.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Located in Illinois, there lies a sleepy little town where nothing is a common occurrence. You going to that party in town tonight? Heck yeah! I only turn 18 once. That is until the night of celebration. Where the hell is she? Oh no. No, 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 Jessica! What? From the creators of Shadowhunters, bite me, comes a tale of primal terror. Grind called mayhem. Shadowhunters, kill Jessica, kill! Welcome back to the second part of the first part of tonight's two hours Ghost Chronicles edition. This is the climate change and C19 conspiracy theory. So freaking bad. Where apparently you can measure the average temperature of the earth every minute. You can, because it's done every minute. But but that's not the reason, that's not the uh, subject for tonight's debate. So, Cal, you're in a university and you have a parapsychology department. Have you ever seen the the movie Red Lights, Scunny Weaver? Yeah. Right? Yes, yes, I have. Okay. So, yeah. It was based on Cal. The movie movie is not great. But the (laughs) university with the departments, one measuring thing and and the other one doing field research, is that at all? happen at all in in the university or or does field research not even exist yeah it always happened i mean even when you watch ghostbusters and you've got a a mixture of what's going on the the film starts out with um peter venkman doing lab studies of um negative reinforcement on esp ability he's got the zener cards and then ray comes running in because they've had a report of activity at the library and egon spengler's already there go back to um, the very early days of um, the Rhines at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, and they were doing a mixture of uh, mainly people's uh, claims of unusual abilities in the seance rooms, uh, physical mediumship, 
they will go out and investigate those. There would be a few instances of spontaneous cases where they go and investigate, but their main hub was the parapsychology lab at Duke University. It was the same case for many other um, labs and institutions. I suppose the more major field work hubs were the American Society for Psychical Research and the Psychical Research Foundation as well, but also the uh, Southern Californian Society for Psychical Research. They did lots of field research as well. So uh, it has remained the same to this day. Uh, universities are very much willing and interested to go out and look at things in the field if such things crop up and people want them investigated. I mean, don't forget universe. that cool university that investigated the, uh, oh, what was that documentary, Poltergeist? Uh, so do you mean Afterlife on Netflix? No, I mean Poltergeist. It was a documentary movie that was shown all years and years about a little girl that vanished into the television set. And the, all the parapsychologists came around. They had really cool cameras that caught the ghost going up oh, down. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, they depicted that in there. They also did with the film Entity as well. They did, was, which was based uh, on a true case. It, it was. People like um, Barry Taff and so forth. It's documented in his book, Aliens Above and Ghosts Below. And the original reports were published in Theta as well. I thought it was really cool the way they trapped that thing in the ice, with the dry ice. In ice, yes. Liquid nitrogen. They, they yeah, that was really in cool. The, in, the, in the sports facility. In the make, yeah. temperature. Yeah. That was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. <laughs> when they're in the bookstore and the lady first manages to um, listen into their conversation and realise they're parapsychologists, you will see a copy of Tony Cornell and Alan Gold's Poltergeist in front of them. Hmm. Very good. Nice. But we we interviewed uh, the daughter of, uh, who was that, Steve? from uh, Louisa. Louisa, yes. And, you know, she talked quite a bit about her father doing field work. They're not doing field work. She talked no, about him doing field work. Her mother was doing the field work. Louisa was doing the field work. And, collate, and collating all the... JB didn't really like going out of the laboratory. Didn't he, think that's good not true, because she mentioned it, because I had brought it up about the psychic horse, and she was well aware of that, where her father went out and did the field yeah, work. But generally, uh, JB Ryan was not a, a supporter of field, field work, it was his wife who, who to whom we owe the debt of the records that were meticulously kept by her. Mm-hmm. The uh, there was one particular instance that really put J.B. Ryan off of doing any more field work, and I've forgotten the name of the medium, but they had one that he thought was actually fairly successful, and he had confidence in. And at the time, he was writing to Albert Einstein quite a lot. And Einstein had interest in parapsychology and he said, look, if you do get an interesting medium, um, do a bit of work with them and then contact me and I will come along and I will observe this for myself. And so Reiner put a lot of time and effort into this one particular medium, along with his wife, Louisa, and some of the sitters, um, wrote to Einstein. Einstein came along with two lab assistants and nothing happened during that particular seance. And to put it lightly, it really pissed off J.B. Ryan. And, and from that point on, he didn't particularly bother with going out and doing field research anymore. He became fully committed to adopting a, a good methodology within the lab for testing psychic abilities. And mm-hmm. Einstein didn't really play much of a part in parapsychology from that point on. But he did write a foreword for one book on parapsychology called Mental Radio by Upton Sinclair. 
Um, so Einstein had his foot in the door with parapsychology, but it was that point with the medium and J.B. Ryan and going out and doing field research that it just kind of put a dampener on everything. It did make his yeah. hair stand on end, though. It did. It did, and turned it white. I'm sure it was bright ginger before that. Must have been a terrifying experience. Exactly. Puts the willies up, yeah. So you guys are in your para, uh, new book, uh, which Steve was talking about while we were trying to get you on the air, because evidently you have no Skypes anymore. It's technologies beyond you, or, or it's too archaic, one or the other. Uh, so either that or you're being listened in by aliens, but I don't know. Anyways, uh, you, you uh, contributed to the book as well. What, what part are you contributing to uh, Paravision? Me? Yeah, you. You're the guest yeah, room. Because um, I'm still um, waiting. I'm, I'm doing a, a, a couple of dot to dots, join the dots, find one and then add it to two. And then, um, you know, you might get a bucket and spade. Um, do those bits. Um, and spot the difference. You've got a nice pencil outline of Ron Kolick, and you've got to spot at least 10 differences between the two. And uh, if you think you've done it, you can tear it out and post it to see. I'm just checking off the chapter list here, and it doesn't say any of those. No, seriously, Cal, what, what particular parts are you working on in the book as far as, um, as I, your I role? Think I've, as, as your role as a parapsychologist? Yeah, I, I think I've got um, the psychology of vision. We might do some similar introductory chapters that are um, some some visions of ghosts and visions of spirits. We had some noisy ghosts and some noisy spirits in the last one where Steve did one and I did the other. Mm -hmm. um, I'll certainly be doing some things on light projection from people's eyes and x-ray vision, the sense of being stared at as well. Um, so those are just a few. Okay. Mm. So uh, I do a lot of work with, well, not a lot, but I do some work with uh, Dr. Kim Landon, who is a, a psychologist here in the States. And uh, we're going to do a show on the psychology of spirit. And basically, we're going to analyze spirits in a seance setting. In other words, what information is gathered from a seance and actually analyze the spirit's problems. <laughs> So okay, I don't think that's and I don't think that's been done before. How are you gonna do? God, it? she's gonna as as her as her her job as a psychoanalyst. So so it so, be analyzing the the spirits. Um, uh, am I am I am I understanding this correctly? It's a um, kind of like a phone in help show for spirits. Uh like, well, no, it's not going to be live spirits talking. Uh, we, we're not doing telephone calls from the dead. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like, like an agony ant column in a newspaper for spirits then? Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, yeah, Dear Abby and, and everything. In other words, certain information with gas. I mean, we've been doing the uh, study of the red light seance for uh, 14 years now, uh, every month. And gathered a certain amount of information from certain... Do you know, that goes up by one year every week. Yeah, probably. Because mm. I lose track. Mm. When you get old like me, Steve, you, you can't remember everything. Everything well, is like melded in forever. Well, well, I saw but an announcement well, you made yeah, on believe, social media. I believe it's 14 years. I believe it's well, 14. 
on social media, an ad, uh, an announcement came up quite mm -hmm. recently about you announcing the first one, and that was 12 years ago. My first one? Yeah. Okay, so 12 years. Like I said, it's it's mold. It's, you yeah. know, we don't know. Most people have been doing it for 12 years. They don't. It just feels long. It just feels like long. Exactly. I'm not trying to <laughs> discontinue it one way or the other. I'm just saying that that's certain amount of gathered. So this information gathered in these particular things, she's got to psychoanalyze the spirit or why this particular spirit would be coming through, so forth, what basically what its problem is. Uh, so, I mean, the problem is you've just disturbed it. You've called it through. It was probably having a lovely rest in the afterlife. Well, the you, next minute, you know, next Find minute, out. there's a group of people jangling bells, playing music, standing around in front mm -hmm. of cameras, all gathered around the table. And come on, come on. This way, red this light. way. Red light. Oh, fucking hell, red light. Red light. The baseball cap on. We used to play that when we were kids, red light. Yeah, red but, light. you know, spirits to, to spirits, red lights are irresistible. They're like, they're like crack cocaine to spirits or catnip really? to cats. Really, you know that. Right? It? Oh, we, we, gave, we, we gave our cats a bag of catnip the other day. It was so funny. Yeah. Did you like a, it was like watching a spirit at a red light seance. Mm. It's mm. like giving Cal a grant. Yeah, just rolling it. Yes. Buying a new motorbike. Oh, we got money again. <laughs> yeah. We can do something. Yeah. <clears throat> do you know, That's do not you know, the tip. <clears throat> Whenever, whenever the uh, whenever there's a meeting, the SPR council and the uh, one of the committees come up with, oh, we've got these research grants. Now it's time for the Bank of Cal again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to me though, is it? We're supporting you motorbike. No, it's, it's supporting. You just said project. so. Samson. You just I haven't said bought so. a motorbike since the only motorbike I have, and that did not come from research grants. Yeah, um, I didn't mean it now. No, he came from that. We'll rewind, uh, get the listeners to rewind the tape. <laughs> he definitely said he Why was going to Why are they listening to this on cassette tape? That's a bit old school. Very old yeah. school. Yeah, there are still people out there that listen to us. A couple of our Patreons still use uh, Compact 8 and Super 8. Mm. Do they? Mini Discs as well. They're, they're actually listening to us on, a, on Commodore through AOL. <laughs> Anyways, back to Cal. Remember him? He was the guest we, you yelled well, you at. Were I was talking about talking about you were the one that interrupted the whole flow of the show by talking about climate change. I did mm. not talk about climate change. Oh, you you can't measure the Of course, you can measure the average temperature of the Earth. They do it every minute. Yeah, measure the average well, temperature. Well, he said that afterwards. He started off by saying, you know, that global warming thing. I don't really believe in it. And then everyone no. went, ooh. <laughs> you know, it, it, just, it, it just amazes me that someone like Steve was supposed to be so science based. Here we go. 99% yes. of scientists agree. Yeah, we, oh, only the ones that uh, believe in whatever I'm talking about. Otherwise, the rest of them don't. I mean, it's just science is science. It, it, the data collected is good as long as your your methods no, are good. No, no, no. It's no. what you do science, with that. Science, yes. is, science is a methodology. Science should always be critical, questioning, and seeking to basically debunk itself. 
Yeah. That's the principles of science. So, because science exists, you know, I mean, this is taught at high school. What do you think? St- I you mean, set up you... an experiment with the name of disproving it. You do not. Do, that's the way you, oh, but, whatever. They have said that before, that um, a good study will try and put methods in place to try and dispel the very thing that it's looking for. And so if it still creeps through, then it shows that your methods are strong. So actually, you're trying your best to actually bat away Thank the you. idea of the thing that you're looking for. So We were taught that at high school. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty much a standard thing. There's also that saying, I think Kieran had it on his website for ages, which was, is it from Andrew Lang? Science is built up of facts, as a house is built up of stone, but an accumulation of facts is no more a science than a pile of stones as a house. That's right. That as well. Yeah. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. That's shutting up now. So it is shutting up. Quite, quite tiny because I don't want to get in the discussion with you you haven't you haven't waved your environmental this is the point where you normally wave your environmental science degree at us i do not do that <laughs> i never wave we are not worthy we're not worthy i am not do never weigh any of that now in my moon <laughs> moon experience that's another story uh but anyways the uh so i mean when you do these so when you do your 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 tank studies cow you're going in mm-hmm. to disprove that whatever your thesis is that you're no, going to prove it no he's, he's going in to get a wash yeah i know that but that's besides the point it's getting paid to sit in a tub of water so i mean that's pretty damn good too much salt i may as well roll in sand like a chinchilla <laughs> <laughs> or a cat in catnip <laughs> the latest conspiracy no, by the I'm, way I'm, says that the Earth is in a uh, uh, actually a bubble in a in a sea of water, and we can't go beyond our bubbles. So that's we can't penetrate the atmosphere. NASA's been trying to do that, and they just can't. So there we go. All right, carry on, Steve. So I mean, what's your name? Cal. There you go. Uh, yeah. So my question, my question to you was: Is do you go in trying to dis? What are you trying to prove uh, uh, in your study of the tank? What do you, what is your thesis? So the, the idea is based on what John Lilly was proposing, who pioneered the tank in the 1950s with Peter Sufeld. Um, he said to the Parapsychological Association in 1969 in New York, where are these visions coming from when we're in the tank? Parapsychology could benefit from getting two tanks and having someone in one with an image they're given, a postcard or a video clip, and they go in and try and send it to the person in the other. Wouldn't it so get more? Yeah. There's that. And um, since then, there's been many, many studies on remote viewing. So we've sort of taken that tactic. We haven't got a sender receiver set up. We've just got someone in the tank and video clips for random ones are, are mixed up and they're future targets. They don't get selected by the computer until afterwards. Um, and so it's a, a one in four chance of weighing up the mentation. So they write down what they've experienced or do drawings. It goes to an independent judge. The independent judge looks at all four clips and they rank order what they believe the strongest clip to be um, to the weakest. Now, again, that's the methodology that's been used a lot for the Gansfeld, where you'll lay in a reclining chair with red light and eye shields for many, many years. Overall, they've been very successful. 
But we have even discussed methodological weaknesses with it. One is displacement, which parapsychology has been recognizing for ages. So go back to the Xenocards. You could say, oh, it's wavy lines and it's a circle. That's actually the target. And so the next time you say, oh, I think it's a cross this time. And it turns out to be wavy lines. Now, wavy lines was in the pack of targets and it was one ahead of what you said. So is that displacement? You're just getting it wrong via psi. You're actually not thinking one ahead. And the same for the target pools of clips. The, the independent judge could say, oh, I think it's clip number three, the zebras in a field in a wildlife documentary. Um, and actually, it's clip four where there's loads and loads of rows of cars in traffic. And they're also representing stripes and lines and stuff where the person in the tank was only coming out with, I'm getting lines and lines, black and white lines, something like that. And they're very similar. And it's all down to interpretation. So the methodology is there. But problems such as how Psy could work, it's not going to be that definite of saying, oh, I'm definitely seeing zebras. People just get vague shapes sometimes or images or hunches. And so we're still refining how these methodologies are. They've shown themselves to be really good. But again, our own experiments into this are looking at are these methods still actually appropriate? And I think they could be a lot better. We've even argued recently that it should just be down to two clips, one target clip and one decoy rather than having three decoys and working on a 25% chance. And so parapsychologists are still dabbling with, you know, what's the best way forward with these studies? They've been largely successful so far, but we've still got these problems with displacement and what is appropriate to show them, what is appropriate to have as decoys. So, um, yeah, that's what our methodology looks like. And you are trying to challenge the very methods you're using. Yeah, but then you have somebody else in, in Ryan Duke University doing the exact same thing that you're doing to see if there's any, what the validity is of yours, if they get this, basically, if they get the same results that you do. So isn't that kind of like verifying it? Isn't it kind of like prove, prove it? Otherwise they start off, like, what, do they start off saying, I'm going to disprove that Cal is wrong? I'm, or they go on there and say, I want to see if I can replicate what Cal is doing. How do they, they might, what is the actual mindset of the researchers? Well, that's also another problem called the experimenter effect. And the mindset is also a big thing. After Daryl Bem did a successful study on precognition that ended up in a journal called um, Personality and Social Psychology, um, a lot of people got very angry that that paper ended up in there because it's a very prestigious journal and it was showing positive results for precognition. So a lot of people around the world started doing replications, especially the skeptical community, and it's made quite clear in kind of panels they've done afterwards and in interviews that their mindset was this is complete nonsense and how offensive that such a paper ended up in a prestigious journal. Um, so they couldn't get the paper in the same journal. One, because a lot of mainstream journals don't accept replications and they don't accept failed studies, null results. Um, but yeah, their mindset was precognition is not possible. So there must be a methodological flaw. So they've copied the exact study and come out with a failure. And a lot of people in the skeptical community had a go and that was their result. But overall, I think there's 90 plus replications of that study now. 
and mm-hmm. doing a meta-analysis, which is an analysis of all studies of a similar type, such as that, with the same methodology. It like looks at, on the whole, Earth. how good are these studies? Temperature of the Earth, shut up. How good are these studies? And, and overall, they are still positive. They've got a good effect size. Um, and so just because we've got replication doesn't mean to say that, you know, everyone is going to replicate and get the same result. It's just like chemistry as well, you know. You could be running the same study, but have you taken into consideration how clean your test tubes are and things like that? There, there, there can be something going wrong somewhere, and sometimes it's just down to mindset of someone saying, it is not possible, there is no such thing. That is enough to deeply impact on your participants and how they feel. And the rapport that you make with the people that you're working with, your participants, is massively important. And it only takes slight things to actually put them off and, and change their own mindset. But even if on your chemistry experiment, like you, you said, I mean, if it failed because the test tube was dirty, wouldn't you analyze your experiment again to see why you got a different variation? Or would you just say, oh, I got a different variation. It's all we're done with. Well, that, that also depends on the mindset of the researcher, doesn't it? Because if they're looking for it to fail, then to them, yeah. it's a success. So they're not going to look any further to find out why theirs failed and the previous experiments were a success. Yeah. They don't want they so, don't want the chemical reaction to take place. It was a bogus reaction. Oh look, it didn't work. Oh well, case proven, move on. So what's the use of time in studies that... is also another thing because these studies could take at least nine to twelve months to gather just one set of data for one trial. So they don't want to spend another further year collecting it. So if they've managed to get the study that shows that nothing's going on, that's pretty conclusive for them. Yeah, but I don't know. It just seems like it's a waste of time if if you produce something and, it, and it's replicable, or if you produce something and it's different, and you wouldn't spend the time to say, okay, why did my experiment go different than this one? I would analyze the exact same. I mean, it only makes sense, but. Uh, I don't know. What do I know? I'm nobody. No, no, Carry on. I, I think after that, I mean, the, the thing that supports that is that some of these people have gone out after they've done these papers and they've sat in on panels. And I think if they're fair panels where there are a mixture of people that have taken part, which happens, I, I think Steve was with me in Edinburgh in 2011 and Richard Wiseman and Chris French were there. They were part of one of the replications for Daryl Bem. And they immediately jumped in on a panel um, about it. And to the FBR audience, they were quite fair in what they thought about it. Daryl Ben was even in the audience. But I believe uh, Richard Wiseman, straight afterwards, I think he went to some sort of science or skeptics conference. And from what I heard, he he was more in support of the fact that his findings were pretty conclusive. So, again, playing playing to your audience is a big thing as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So we, we really can't get anything out of this then, actually, because uh, for those who don't believe, they're just not going to believe. For those who are believers of, in the particular experiment, they, they're going to believe. So there's, what's, you know, what's the purpose of it? Totally. Well, it, it all boils down to, again, getting these papers through peer review and then meta-analyses. And meta-analyses, you can still debate how good the meta-analyses was, but it's a fairly conclusive form of analysis and it also has something called the fail safe n so when you let's say we've got 100 studies of again precognition and they've all used pretty much the same methodology 
um, it will give you an overall significance level and effect size. And, and let's say it's good, it's in favor of precognition. The fail-safe M will then give you a number that says if your significant finding is not true, if it's because we've got a load of hidden studies that didn't find anything and that person or those people just didn't bother to publish them, how many missing studies would there be from this analysis? You look at that fail-safe N, and it could be 50-plus or, or, or way more than that. It could be a ridiculous number where we know to run one study takes a year to gather the data. So mm -hmm. who has got the time all over the world to conduct that many studies that are just not um, hitting publication? They're just all going in the file drawer. It shows how unrealistic it is um, mm -hmm. for there to be that many null findings against what are actually some fairly decent positive findings. Um, Unfortunately, and, we've um, come to the fail-safe end of the show. So I'll we like have to share it because we, the, you, know, there are other, you can use... Um, the findings of some of the experiments in practical ways where you can demonstrate an effect over and over and over and over, as I've done with infrasound. Okay, yeah. we are done now. So thank you, Cal, for joining us today. And Steve, as usual, uh, stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation uh, right here on Toginet Radio. Good night, everyone. Just so you know, every minute you can, uh, you can measure my average temperature every minute. I will. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.